0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to Night School, the show that explores ideas and themes in the social sciences and the humanities. This week, I'm joined by Simon Soon as usual and our guest of the week, Rahel Joseph, Gallery Director
1: at Ilham Gallery. Hi, Hi. welcome to the show. Uh, Welcome, Rahel.
2: Thank you. Yeah.
1: um, Okay, so we're going to sort of talk about art education this week. And we're gonna think about also what kind of programming that Ilham Gallery sort of does. I think Ilham has over the past few years acquired a kind of a reputation that you're not just a place to show pretty pictures. Uh, there's also a strong investment in educating uh, the general public how to understand these pictures and how to sort of like engage with the works of art that you show, right? Can yeah. you sort of like tell us more about you know why this particular sort of like investment in Education, uh, yeah. given the gallery's mandate, it's not always like that in Malaysia, at least.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, the I guess if we had a mission statement mm-hmm. um, for Ilham, education would definitely be the key, mm-hmm. um, the key driver. I think in everything we do.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, How did it come to rank so highly?
2: Um, I think because you know it's not just about holding an exhibition, right? It's also about uh, using it as a site to really discuss ideas. And also, we're a public art gallery. I mm-hmm. think that's really the difference. Uh, we're privately funded, but we are a public art gallery. Okay. And our mission is really to uh, be a space for the public to not just, I think, access the art, but also a site where the public can also, I think, engage more closely with the art. Okay. So I think that's... Key in everything we do. I mean, in terms of the exhibition, our wall text, for example, the idea is that it's informative, but it's also accessible. Mm. So it's not, you know, written in these kind of art theory terms that only a curator would be able to understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really about communicating. Kind of complex ideas, mm-hmm. uh, but in accessible language. Okay. So that's one example, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, in all the publications that we do, it's about commissioning new writing. This idea that the exhibition lasts for four months, but obviously we want to um, develop more resource material for mm-hmm. students, for you know people interested in the arts, and then of course through our programming, mm-hmm. our public programming, which I suppose I'm. You know, very invested in our public programming. So that's something very important to me, which is, you know, we have very regular kind of uh, lectures or conversations, but we also do a lot of school programs and we also do programs for, for very young kids. So anything from sort of ages four and above.
1: Mm, what you have just described as a gamut of activity. Yeah. Um, so maybe you could sort of like help me clarify this, is that, you know, when we talk about art education, right. is it more about sort of a process in which we learn about an artwork? It's sort of like history or significance? Or are you sort of like trying to define a process of learning in which you are using art, as a sort of, like, tool for you to sort of gain other kinds of, like, knowledge?
2: Yeah, I think it's both, but I would say maybe leaning to the latter, Okay, you know. Because, but well, let me just, maybe I'll just uh, talk a little bit more about our art discovery tours, mm-hmm. uh, which are for sort of um, young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of the, the uh, ideas behind that was that, you know, a lot of museums and galleries offer... More sort of craft-based activities mm-hmm. for kids, Okay. you know. So you have all these sort of uh, art programs, but they are often craft-based okay. or you are like learning what,
1: coloring, uh, yeah. you know, coloring exercise, or yeah, something. Or, okay.
2: or I mean, painting workshops and all the the rest of it. But I really wanted our programming to be about also about um, really developing, I think, critical thinking okay. and creative thinking. Okay. You know, so the idea that You're taken around an exhibition and we use the works to talk about larger ideas. So, for example, in our present exhibition uh, with Singapore Art Museum, uh, The Body, Politic and the Body, there is a work May 13, 1969 by Redza Mm Piadasa. Which is a really important work, mm-hmm. art historically speaking.
1: How does uh, the work look like? Um, um,
2: it's it's a coffin, okay. uh, a standing coffin, okay. uh, painted black with the Malaysian, colours of the Malaysian flag on it. There's a mirror at the bottom of the coffin. It's one of these works that I think a lot of people, a lot of art students, a lot of people who are interested in Malaysian art would have seen in, you know, uh, in every kind of... Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and it's quite significant, actually, in, in the sense that we ha- actually haven't seen this work since 1917. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And, of course, it's referring to a really important event in our history, May 13, 1969. Mm-hmm. So when we take the kids around it and we look at the work, it's not just about the artwork, it's mm-hmm. also a means to talk about this particular event. Mm,
1: and it's uh, a very difficult issue for yeah. even adults to sort of talk about, right? Exactly. So how do you get kids mm-hmm. into a conversation, a, a critical conversation around? Yeah, yeah
2: <laughs> well I mean, um, I think that's, uh, th- I mean, I, I think it sort of leads to this larger idea about our education. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that often kids are not given that chance to really talk about and and verbalize and give their opinion about things. Mm. You know, everything is very much you're either learning it by rote mm-hmm. or it's some multiple type questions okay. and answers, you know. That
1: limits yes. yeah. scope, I mean yeah.
2: what we wanted to do what I think is so wonderful about art is the fact that it allows you to there's no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm you know, it's a way of letting people letting kids actually voice their opinion, to have an opinion. Okay. Uh and to yeah.
1: So having run the workshop, for example, uh what are some of the responses from the kids? Uh would you be able to sort of share them with us? Um uh an interesting sort of like you know, any interesting insights, things that that would demonstrate that this learning process is a lot more Imaginative or allows for a different kind of imagination compared to you know the standard multiple choice answer that you're supposed to.
2: Yeah, so I like, mean, we had an exhibition called After Work, mm-hmm. which dealt very much about issues around migration, mm-hmm. around uh, domestic workers. Um, it was an exhibition that travelled from Hong Kong, um, and it was an exhibition that you know also sort of carried issues that were very relevant to us in Malaysia as well. And of course, these are difficult subjects. Mm. And when we take the kids around the tours, it's not about dumping it down. Mm. You know, the mm. idea is not to go stand in front of a painting and say, oh, is this blue? Is this yellow? That's, you know, it's to These are difficult questions, but I do believe that kids are open to... To, you can have intelligent conversations about art or about anything with young people. Mm-hmm. There's no need to kind of dumb it down. You okay. know, children are um, usually very open minded and they have interesting opinions. Okay. So, for example, it was about a work dealing with refugees. Okay. Um, and so the kids actually made backpacks. Okay. You know, that was part of the activity, part of the tour. But they were asked if you had to leave your home, mm-hmm. uh, like in the Possibly. middle of the night, okay. and for whatever reason, you know, something happened in Malaysia and you had to leave, and you had to just leave with one thing, what would you take?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and, you know, but so, you know, some were like, they didn't want to take their pet, you know, and they want <laughs> to take their toothbrush. I mean, it was a whole variety of things. <laughs> but it was interesting because of just that question about what it would be like, mm-hmm. and and what it would be like, and and these are kids you know all over the world who are facing mm-hmm. that same question, mm-hmm. you know, and these are kids like three or four years old who right. are, are thinking that you know mm-hmm. there was a work that was done by a domestic worker from the Philippines, and the artist had asked her to draw her home in the Philippines, uh, which he then kind of uh, created a work out of it. And it was also a work that I think made them sort of reflect and think about. It could be maybe their own, the, if they had a maid, or it could be the security guard you know, outside mm-hmm. their, their condo. Um, right, but right. it was also, I think the thing about art, it, it also teaches you empathy. I mean, okay. I think that is the wonderful thing about it. Right. But it's also a way, I think, for kids to kind of empathise with what's happening in the world
1: mm-hmm. and in the, the sort of larger mm. society. Right. Um, you know, that. I mean, I'm just trying to think, you know, that kind of learning can also sort of happen in a classroom. But I imagine, you know... Conducting sort of like a learning in front of an artwork would be setting. You're setting up a very different kind of like atmosphere for learning, right? Yeah. Um, how is that sort of like different, and what value does that bring to uh, the learning process?
2: I mean, actually standing in front of an artwork as yeah.
1: opposed to you yeah. know looking at, looking at a, at a slide, yeah, for example, a slide. In it's classroom. completely
2: different. I mean, you're standing in front of. A standing coffin, I mean, mm. you know, and, and, you know, when you walk into this space and the way it's lit, it's already you feel the sort of atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's something quite serious and, you know, it, it's it's an experience. And mm. I think that's also what we're trying to to give the kids mm. is an experience. So like
1: experiential form of learning yeah, is yeah. very sort of important. Yeah. right, Okay. Yeah. Uh, How does this then sort of like translate to, I guess, the kind of like education that you do in the form of publication? For example, publication then doesn't always sort of like translate the gallery viewing experience successfully in the book form, right? Yeah. But uh, are there different sort of like strategies that you would adopt to find a way to, I guess, reproduce uh, that kind of like learning opportunity for those who bought the book, for example?
2: I see, right. Um, I mean, I think that those are, uh, we're still kind of exploring that at the moment. But you Um, have
1: published a new book recently, Uh, is that right? Uh, uh, Oh, that's not under Ilham. No. Okay, that's with the National Gallery of Singapore. Yeah, okay. Okay.
2: Well, um, that is, I mean, a couple of years ago, myself and Joe Kukadas, we wrote a book called The Malaysian Art Book for Children. This was, I think, it. Two thousand and eleven. It was funded by Kazana, but it was a book that kind of introduced kids to Malaysian art. Mm. You know, Uh, it was one of those things that I always felt that a lot of Malaysians, not even kids, I mean even adults, actually don't know who our artists are. Okay. You know, um, you know, everyone knows, um, you know, kind of Western artists, Mm. but you know, uh, they don't know about. Uh, Ibrahim Hussein or Latif Mohidin. Mm. And, you know, I just felt like, you know, you go to, if you're you're in a museum, you're on Tate or in MoMA, there are always these books that you can pick up about these artists, Van Gogh or Picasso. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so I always felt we should have something here which introduced kids to all our, and we have some amazing artists, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. So the book, Malaysian Art Book for Children, really sort of introduced kids to uh, modern and con- okay. what, about, I think there were about 20 artists. Mm. Was
1: that, you know, having to work on this book, the thing that spurred you into, you know, thinking more seriously about art education or yeah, I mean, did I it come it, from uh, I, something else?
2: It sort of happened earlier because I used to work at Petronas Gallery okay. and education sort of was one of the things I was tasked with. Mm. Um so thinking about that and, you know, trying to design education programs, that, that got me thinking about it. But also I think, you know, as my own experience growing up because when I was in school in England, we were taken to museums and okay. galleries. And that experience, I think, really made an impact on okay. me. I mean, I was totally useless at art. I mean, you know, like okay. completely useless. <laughs> but And I was studying history, but um, the teachers used to take us like to the National Portrait Gallery uh-huh. um, you know to go and study like the portraits you know like Tudor mm. portraits okay you know to it, it just as a different way of approaching uh, studying history okay yeah obviously we're not going to be tested about it in our exams mm. but the idea was to give you a more kind of holistic kind of view of it okay uh, and it was something that really made an impact on me and uh, you know after that, you know, everywhere I traveled, I always wanted to go to an art gallery or an art museum, um, just because I had that experience when I was young. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that's that that I think kind of spurs me on. This is that it's not so much for kids to become curators or mm. anything at the end of it. It's just something new that maybe they can learn and experience, mm-hmm. and it's just another really nice thing that mm. they can enjoy when they're older, it's right. like the kind of pleasure that if you like reading the right. pleasure that books will give you for the whole of your life right right you know it's mm. the same thing it's just finding ways for for kids to look at art right. you know right. um, and
1: set them on on a path of sort of discovery yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah you know
2: so I think it was that and 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 then of course doing this book okay because you know when we were looking at Featuring a particular painting, mm-hmm. it was also about connecting. It's not just talking about the colours, or uh, which of course we did, or talking about perspective or, you know, whether it's uh, abstract or figurative.
1: Mm-hmm. It was
2: also linking it to the history of the country or mm-hmm. to the culture or mm-hmm. to maybe, you know, uh, one of our works, I think, was Gunung Ledang by Said Ahmad Jamal. So then we talked about, you know... Uh, all the sort of folklores that have come out of Gunung Mm Ladang, you know. But we also talked about primary colours and, you know, uh, it's not just about art. You can talk about history and, you know. Yeah.
1: um, And I think on on that note, I think maybe, uh, you know, we are already sort of like approaching, you know, trying to sort of, like, unpack what is the larger kind of, like, impact of our education mm-hmm. in the yeah. sort of, like, our Malaysian public. Yeah. And maybe the second part of our sort of conversation, we can really sort of focus on that okay. larger kind of, like, institutional efforts.
0: All in right, yeah, so let's take a break. Uh, you're listening to Night School with me, Hanif Baharudin and Simon Soon. And this week, we're joined by Rahil Joseph, Gallery Director at the Helm Gallery. And we've been talking about art education. Stay tuned, PFM 89.9. BFM eighty nine point nine. You tune in to Night School with me, Hanif Barudin. I'm joined by Simon Soon and our guest of the week, Rael Joseph, gallery director at Ilham Gallery. Let's continue the conversation by exploring the importance of art education, right? The why of it. Why do we want people to be art literate?
2: I think that it really does help, and I mean, there's been so many studies that have been done on this, right, where they have shown that. It does help to develop critical thinking. It does help to develop creative ways of like problem solving. Mm. Um, It helps, I think, give kids a sense of confidence, Mm -hmm. helps them sort of articulate and, you know, ask questions. And I think these are areas that we desperately need. Okay. Right? I mean, Mm. just talking about, I mean, if really just, I think a lot of employers would say that sometimes in terms of, when you hire people or when you do interviews, this is an area that we do lack, okay because you know, you can have all the paper qualifications in the world, but we do need people who who can think creatively,
1: right you know, who mm. can
2: problem solve mm. um, that is not just going to. You know, go to A, B, and
1: C. Yeah. You know, so help me to understand why, like mm. maybe the the kind of like art education that we're getting in school doesn't always sort of like translate to this larger kind of like idea of art having an imaginative sort of like problem solving kind of like uh, potential, right? Yeah. Uh, in school, when you think of creativity, uh, we do use that word as well. Uh, we often think of it as a sort of like expression, yeah, uh, as a sort of free expression, as a way to sort of like you know, uh, explore different sides of sort of like uh, your talent or or, or different sides of like your being that maybe you don't get from other sort of like uh, subjects. Uh, Yeah, and I think... So where does and And I think on some level, that's also something that you try to cultivate at Ilham, but you're also saying that it's more than that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, it's difficult not to go back to our education system. okay. Right, because I think there's a kind of rigidity in, in the way things are taught in schools. Okay. Um, and there's not enough opportunities for kids to actually discuss ideas and to express an opinion about things. Mm. I think that's where we we are really, truly lacking. I mean, one of the ideas behind these kind of programs that we do at ILHAM is also giving kids that kind of legitimacy to actually voice an opinion Mm. and to explain why they like something and they don't like something, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, to actually reason out their ideas and to give kids that freedom to actually express an idea. Uh, And that isn't actually, I think, (coughs) happening very much in our school systems. True, Yeah. yeah. But
1: I think ultimately maybe, is it, I wonder if it's because of the way we sort of approach education where it tends to be built on this idea that it needs to have an evaluation sort of like model Mm -hmm. where, you know... You have to be tested. You have to be tested and you have to have a system in which you can measure achievement of that knowledge, right? Yeah. And when you talk about, you know, being able to express... Yes. ...your own ideas, uh, a new one sort of like... taking a new one sort of like position in an argument uh are our, our teachers sort of like prepared to be able to sort of like, you know, create or foster that kind of environment for yeah. that kind of learning to take place. I mean
2: that's true. I think because we are so test exam based oriented um and and a lot of the benefits of I guess art education is not always quantifiable in mm. that way. And I think that's why I do feel like museums and galleries we can create this opportunity Mm. to provide this type of kind of learning Mm -hmm. um, where the school's are not able to because okay. of all those reasons that you, right. you
1: articulated. Mm-hmm. And do you work collaboratively with the schools in order to realise some of the programmes? I mean, I imagine the capture audience are school students on yeah. so many levels. And how do you um, collaborate with, I don't know, uh, state agencies?
2: That, that I, I mean, we do have a lot of school visits, but they tend to be private schools okay. or like home Homeschool kids. Okay, right. Um, Why is that? (laughs) Well, for example, we've tried to make links with Teach for Malaysia and some of their teachers actually brought their kids, some from out of town. Okay. Um, But we do want to work with more kind of like government schools Mm. because I really feel it's those kids that would benefit the most. Mm. From just coming to the gallery and and we've, I mean, we would run the programs for them, (laughs) you know. I mean, we're happy to do that free. But it's just about trying to get the schools to the gallery because, of course, there's there's issues of funding as well. I think they only get, I mean, I might not, I'm not sure if I'm correct, but I think they make like one field trip a year.
1: Okay. And where would they normally bring the kids to?
2: I think it would be more like to a museum or okay. to maybe to Petroscience. Okay. You know? So how do we get schools to bring their kids to Ilham? Okay. I think we have to work through the Ministry of Education. Mm. So if there was a way we could work with the Ministry of Education mm-hmm. in terms of maybe providing a bit of funding to these schools to come to galleries and museums, then that would be great. Right.
1: Have you reached out to them? or I mean, how, how does this work when you... When, when you want to work with, you know, state agents?
2: I mean, right now it's been done on a very kind of ad hoc. Like we send out, like every time we have a new exhibition, okay. we send out to like schools mm-hmm. uh, directly and there will be like art clubs. So the art, but that will be like the specific art teacher who brings their kids over to the gallery. Mm-hmm. So it's been done on that level.
0: Have you ever had to deal with the perception of art being, at least the appreciation of art being slightly highbrow? And how do you plan to maybe Mm -hmm. dispel those perceptions?
2: I mean, I think one of the reasons why we started the kids' programs, well, actually it was a selfish reason in the sense that places like Ilham, you need art, you need audiences, Mm. right? And we know in Malaysia, we do not have that kind of art-going culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you'll have galleries and museums in the West where people are lining up, queuing up to go and see a particular show, to pay to go and see a particular exhibition. Here, this is not the case. So we need to actually grow these audiences. Mm -hmm. And you've got to start from when they're young. Because if going to a gallery and to a museum is, is something very ordinary and very... Uh, normal, then you're more likely to continue that growing up. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't then become this very Atas activity, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and this is the thing, we're trying to kind of pull people away from the whole mall going culture and see,
1: right.
2: you know, come to the gallery. And that's why also these tours are helpful because I can understand why a lot of parents wouldn't want to bring their kids in when they themselves may not know understand the art that is showing. Like mm-hmm. it's a contemporary art show. They may not have the language to explain it to their kids. Mm-hmm. So these tours are designed for parents and kids. In fact, we say that you can't drop your kids off or send your kids with okay, the main. Right. You, you yeah, so you're not come. the babysitter. Yeah, we're not, we're not <laughs> babysitters. Yeah. And the idea is that you as a parent will engage with your child mm-hmm. on this tour right,
1: right. you know,
2: so it's actually very democratic because the parent and the child, you know, yeah, you're okay. learning together, Right,
1: right. you know, uh-huh. you're both
2: coming from a position of zero info and you're mm. learning together. And a lot of the parents are the ones who are who really enjoy right. they're like, oh we learned something new or we
1: found out. Probably something they've always wanted to do but yeah. never yeah. found an opportunity to do it now. Then, yeah. now they're using their kids yeah. as an excuse.
2: So, you know, and so this is the thing. If we want to develop that culture, you've got to start when you're young. And that's the thing. It's I mean it's this art education thing is totally unsexy in the sense that it's something that you're n- not going to see the results, you know, in the next five years. It's something that you're going to see maybe the next twenty years. Okay. This is long term investment. Mm. But I think if we want to have that kind of culture, you've got to start when mm. start when you're young, and to make it, yeah, it's it's accessible. It's something. It's not meant for, you know, a particular sector. It's it's.
1: Right, you know. Um, so, what's hindering this sort of like accessibility? I, I'm just sort of like thinking out loud. Mm. I mean, why, why do you think there is this huge sort of like, perception. You know, yeah, perception, or what's the obstacle that? Um, I mean, stops I think, people from I actually think, engaging.
2: Well, one I think quite often is the language. Okay. Right. Which again comes, even how an exhibition is presented, the language, the how information is presented to mm-hmm. audiences is how do you talk about a show or an artist or, or an art movement using language that is accessible. I think that is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, if you only write in a particular way, you've already cut off 90% of your audience. Mm-hmm. and And quite often art writers seem to be writing only for a very small Mm. segment of, you know, often their peers or, you know. So I think that's one thing. But secondly, it's also about, again, using using art to talk about your society or Mm. your, you know, community or, you know, Mm. making it relevant to why you're looking at this piece of art. Okay. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Oh, interesting. You know. So now, given that uh, we know that there's a huge hurdle to sort of cross, if you uh, we were to sort of like engage the you know state schooling system in a much more yeah. sort of like collaborative manner, and that uh, it's a long way to go, when we need to sort of like when we want to sort of like cultivate this like mass public uh, that might appreciate sort of like art have you also sort of like explore uh, you know digital sort of like platforms or digital interfaces that seem to be sort of like you know uh, at least becoming important enough sort of like sites that has to sort of like capture audience to at least sort of like share the kind of exhibitions that you do or the collections that you sort of hold Uh, i'm thinking of For example, Google Cultural Institute or actually Google Arts and Culture, which is that sort of like platform. Uh, And I understand what it also has is that it has a global reach.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, we've we've just applied to be on. uh, You have to register with with Google Art and Culture. So we are hoping to put up our collection or the beginnings of our collection up okay. there um, and also there's also a way of, of uh, highlighting the particular exhibition mm-hmm. so that's how we're hoping to to do more of that um, I mean in other ways like all our lectures and talks uh, that gets documented mm-hmm. and we have our own YouTube channel mm-hmm. so people outside KL can access the talks mm. uh, so you know, th- that we feel is another kind of resource resource kind of avenue. Um, you know, even on our social media, yeah. even on like Instagram, you know, being able to post images of works and using that to talk a little bit about the works uh, is another kind of area that mm. we find is actually really useful. Okay. Um, because that's the thing, right? We live in a much more visual culture than ever before and and even in terms of learning i mean there are people who going back to learning who who learn more sort of visually as mm. opposed to sort of studying a text mm. yeah
1: you know i mm. mean one of the things i realize is that unlike performing arts for example where right. people still are paying for the opportunity to sort of like right. enjoy you know the, the work of art there's so much free stuff in the visual mm. art. I mean, it's practically sort of, like, yeah. free. Yeah. Right? Uh, so it, it, it's such a sort of, like, different world, and yet you still have, you face so much sort of, like, challenge in order to sort of attract, you know. People. Yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. How, you know, uh, It's quite ironic when you sort of, like, think about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, given that, you know, you go to a European sort of, like, institution and people are happy to sort of, like, you know, throw in 20 pounds or 20 euros for a ticket. You go see uh, yeah, a, yeah. A, a big show at uh, you know uh, the Louvre, right. for example. But uh, yet, everything is sort of like free in Malaysia. It's less lo- as far as I can, uh, yes, as far as I know, in, in terms the visual of public, art, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, it's true. I suppose a lot of it is also branding, right? Okay. And also, you know, uh, mm. people, you know, you go to London and, and you go and visit the Tate, you buy an experience, yeah, okay, yeah, and you could live in KL and never come to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I think. Audiences are definitely... I mean, I found that at Ilham from when we started to now, you know, audiences are building. But I think it's also... I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think our public programming is also very Mm cross-cultural. Because I think... You know, I felt right from the beginning, we couldn't just rely on the visual arts audience. It's way too small, mm. which is why we, you know, we often have music. We have a sort of music at Ilham program. Uh, we have film screenings. Uh, we worked with people from theatre. Um, and, you know, that has brought in different audiences. We've, we had a kind of ZRV and Friends concert recently, okay. uh, where like 350 people came into Ilham. It was in between our shows. Okay.
1: Uh, and do they, do, does that translate into, you know, new audiences for yeah, you know, I mean, your exhibition?
2: Yeah, I mean, there have been people who have come for like a music or, or film who have never been to Ilham before and come and then said, oh, I like this space, I'll you know, I'll come back again. Or they've looked at, taken our gallery guide and, okay, we'll come for this talk. So that has actually kind of diversified the audiences, mm. you know, because I think that's important as well. Because we don't only, we don't only want the kind of collectors and artists and mm. curator type mm. audience, right? You know, Ilham is meant for a public, the general public, okay. you know, and particularly younger people as well.
1: Do you think there's also a perception that you have to sort of maybe challenge or push, uh, which is, I think uh, there's also a sense that. Um, To be involved in the arts, you have to have the purchasing power to own artworks, to buy artworks. Whereas, uh, actually, when you think about it, uh, the ability to sort of engage with books of art is actually, it actually costs nothing.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and yes, definitely. But it's also about demystifying to a certain extent that this is not... um, something so highbrow and you have to be a, from a specific sort of class or education background to appreciate it, you know. Mm. So I think that, I think, is on the institution to make it accessible. You okay. know, it's not enough, I think, to just show works of art. It's also how do you make it accessible? Mm. How do you make your space, while still keeping, trying to keep to these standards of
1: Rigor yeah, all of that, all of yeah. that.
2: But at the same time, make it accessible. You don't have to dump it down, mm-hmm. uh, but it's about communicating some of these larger ideas, and you mm-hmm.
1: know. I mean, you talk about promoting a new mm. culture of, say, you know, a public, uh, you know, gallery-going sort of like yeah. public. Yeah. Often it takes more than a gallery to sort of do that, right? You're talking about, you know, also alliance building amongst institutions. Is Ilham playing a leadership role in trying to? also get other galleries to uh, take a more sort of like active interest in, uh, you know, improving on their sort of uh, public programs or, or, or challenging them to also think of public programming more creatively.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we are, we, I don't know whether we're so much leaders in it, but I do feel like we are having an active public programming and I do think that other sort of galleries and museums are, Kind of doing something similar as well. Okay. So hopefully we're kind of feeding into this sort of larger infrastructure mm. um, and you know, sort of hopefully creating a kind of richer and more kind of interesting and more diverse ecosystem for for everyone. <laughs>
0: Alright, you just heard from Rahel Joseph, Gallery Director at the Home Gallery. She's joined by Simon Soon and we've been talking about art education. You can share your thoughts with us by tweeting us at BFM Radio or you can send us an email to nightschool at bfm.my. Don't forget to also download the BFM app, which you can get on the Apple App Store and Google Play. I'm Hanifah Vaharuddin and you've been listening to Night School on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes.